where we interview people who made a powerful impact on the culture, music, and community as a whole. I'm SP, and we had a man behind the blue wall, Nev, with us today. I want you guys to follow the Powerful Impact YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Uh, but tonight, we get the pleasure of interviewing the Cleaver. He's pulling in to chat with us about his music. How are you? What's up, SP? How are you? What's up, Nev? How we doing? We're doing good. We're doing right. good. Good, good. I am um, excited that you're here. I am Thanks. so excited to talk about your album. I'm so excited to talk to you in general because I love the way you move and navigate social media. I love the way uh, you stick to your guns when you're uh, when you're maneuvering through social media. But I will just start with some um, softball stuff. No doubt. <laughs> I appreciate okay. you. I appreciate all the words, and it's an honor to be here with you guys, man. I, I like this platform, so we gotta, you know, help build, you know, platforms like yours and everybody else that's involved with, uh, you know, with the real stuff, the underground, you know. Thank you so much. You, you know, you know how I feel about underground artists. I, I, no doubt. I am a real champion for the underground because I think. Um, you you support the music you want to hear. Yes, you know? exactly. exactly. Everybody complains about the music that's out, but I don't see many people that's supporting the music that they say they want to hear. Exactly. Definitely. So where are you from? And how did that impact you as an artist? Uh, I'm from Brentwood, New York. That's in Long Island. Uh, just growing up, I didn't really know but as I came into hip hop, as I found my love for it and kept studying and doing my, my math on it and all that, you know, I found out that Long Island's a rich, it has rich history in hip hop, you know, from Rakim to, you know, De La Soul, Busta Rhymes, you know, EPMD, K Solos from here, Keith Murray. I've bumped into him a bunch of times growing up and stuff like that. So it, it definitely, that, that made me, you know, like, be become a part of it you know like it was like yo mm -hmm. this is this is me you know this is you know i'm not just it's not acting it's not nothing you know it's all natural you know it, it's in it's in the it's in the genes out here it's in the it's in the air yeah yeah um uh, i have uh i have a i've had a love for hip-hop since I was, uh, since I was six, actually, uh, we nice. used to, I used to sneak on the phone with my cousin who lived in New York and he would play all the music that he got a hold of over the phone, uh, <clears throat> over the phone and, um, we would um that's how that's how i first heard that's how i fell in love with it how did what what was it that um made you fall in love with hip-hop i got a smile because it's kind of similar you know i was like around seven and uh you know my older cousin 
I had two of them, and that's how they I got put onto it. You know, it started with like Dos Effects, you know, Onyx, Back the Fuck Up, and they would dub these cassettes for me, you know, and I would have to ha have them hidden from my mom and all that. You know, the Chronic was one that really blew my mind, and like the I, I gotta say that that really, you know, uh, uh Naughty by Nature. Mm -hmm. you know, I really, that really made me fall in love with it. And then I would just start making my own cassettes, my own remixes, you know, with the record and pause and just, you know, I always had the cassette on record and pause ready on Hot 97 whenever I heard Lord of, Lords of the Underground, whatever, boom, unpause it, you know, and record. And that that's how it was, you know, I never I never thought that, you know, I would be like making my own music. But that that's what brought me into the into the fold of it all, you know, because. I saw something on, on Twitter the other day. It was like, uh, what what hip-hop did your parents put you on? But, you know, a lot of old-school folks answered, like, yo, my parents didn't listen to hip-hop. My parents did not listen to hip-hop at all. Mm -hmm. I just kind of, like, came into it. You know, it, it's like, you know, I, I, it, it became my soundtrack, so. Yeah, I, I grew up in the, in the 70s, into the mm -hmm. 80s, and my parents, my mom always... Uh, she always thought that um, that the rappers were people like they, she thought they were stand up comedians like Dolomite. <laughs> she, she had no, oh, that's good. That's a good one. <laughs> by the time she heard it, she had no understanding of what was going on. And actually, the first we had always snuck in bought rap albums, but the first one she bought for, uh, for us was Too Short and Oh, e man. <laughs> <laughs> man. She went straight to the dirty mouth. <laughs> yeah, because she thought they were comedians. She didn't, she didn't understand what rap was, so she thought they were like Dolomite. Uh -huh, she's yeah, like, yeah. oh, they—they're they about y'all's age. They are comedians, and we were so tickled. That's funny. And so, um, what song did you hear, and you was like, "Oh yeah, this—this this is for me." As far as to to make my well, me for as as personally for my for my taste. As in yeah, my it made you just say, "Yeah, hip hop is my thing." This uh, is. I gotta say that Dos Effects, man, bump, stickity bump, stickity bump. You yeah. know, <laughs> once I heard that bass, I was like, "Oh man!" You know, that bass was crazy. You know, House of Pain. I like, I like them a lot too. Uh -huh. uh, uh, even you know, I know they they've been uh people been uh shitting on them here and there, but even Criss Cross, yeah. you know, I I felt like I was like, oh shit, kids doing it, you know, I felt I, I I related to it, you know. So from that point on, and you know, OPP definitely an anthem forever, and uh, mm -hmm. stuff like that is what really got me into it. And then once I went into the Chronic, I I started like you know getting more into the the musical aspect of it because you know how Dre puts like all these little sounds and just the 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 way he does it, you know. It's amazing, and then you know, from there it grew. Yeah, for for me, I love. Uh, I heard Sugar Hill Gang, but okay. what really uh, solidified it for me was actually Your Mama by Wolf Ticket. <laughs> okay. Nobody's heard the mostly. Nobody's heard of that song. 
But that was my favorite song, uh, Yo Mama by Wolf Ticket. Uh, so when, when you um when you heard DOS effects, because um I thought they were so much fun. They were. Um, was that what drew you to them? Yeah. Just, you know, you know, in the sewer, I don't know what it was, man. It just, you know, I was attracted to it, the sound. And I told my cousin, I was like, yo, can you record that for me? And and he did, you know, sure enough, he recorded that album for me. He's like, yeah, I got something else for you. you gave me the Onyx and the Chronic and stuff like that. And it just, you know, built up from there to where, you know, I was doing my little hustles here and there and saving up money. And I started buying my own cassette, you know, I, I was a cassette head back then and, I kind of rekindled that love now. I'm on eBay trying to buy old cassettes, even cassettes of, you know, because I go back and I study, you know, like the older stuff that I missed, you know, that wasn't part of my era, but I still respect it. And I go back and I listen to it, you know. Uh -huh. So I I, I, I I order those cassettes too, just to have my collection. Yeah, when you, um, okay. When I first, when I first met you, you were the butcher. Yes. Um, how did you, how did, um, you get that name? Uh, that name came about, originally I was Abdullah the Butcher, uh, mm -hmm. after, after the wrestler. And, uh, he just, I, I took on that name because my style at that time was like that, you know, grimy, gritty. I was more hardcore. So like around 06, uh, 05, I, I adopted that name, the Abdullah the Butcher. And like 08. I started, I, I, I took off the Abdullah because a lot of people were thinking that I was a Muslim guy or whatever, you know, stuff like that. So I didn't want to be seen like I was faking some shit. And I just, I, I, I'm just going to be the butcher, you know. So that's how the name, I, I rocked the butcher since like 07, 08, just the butcher. And uh, about two years ago, I started going into this phase of changing my name since Benny the Butcher had blown up and, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that I was trying to ride on that on that wave or be on that on his coattail or whatever. And, you know, people were saying some stuff on on YouTube comments and stuff like that. So I just said, you know what, I'm just going to rebrand and just keep hitting them with it, you know. So uh, when did you drop your first music? Uh, my first mixtape uh, dropped it in 07. It was called uh, Industry Jihad. And um, you were building momentum in in two thousand seven. I was trying. We was out there, man. I had we had a little group, you know. It was called Lost in the Entertainment. It was myself, Abdul the Butcher. It was my boy Klepto. He did the recording and the mixing and the mastering, and he rapped too. And he would get the beats for us. And uh, and then we had uh, Lord Exodus, who's named Bravo. He was a third member. And uh, we used to do, like, two shows a night sometimes, you know? We was out there really moving in 07, 08. And uh, unfortunately, you know, things happen in groups sometimes, and it just didn't go forward anymore. And I was writing heavy at the time. That was probably, like, the time that I've written the most on pen to, pe to paper, you know? I was just writing, writing, writing like crazy. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. it just didn't pan out. You know, the, the he stopped recording, your know, personal things and stuff like that. And then him and other dudes and situations and i just fell back from it and at the time too i was becoming a father you know so i had my first my son in 08 
and I had to kind of find that balance, you know, like I couldn't be hanging out in the streets and doing dumb shit and, you know, trying to be a father and provide too. So yeah. it was like a, a little break in, in, in there. Probably like 09, the break started, you know, I took my break. Well, the Cleaver, first of yeah. all, how did you come up with your name, um, the original name, and then how did the name change take place? Why did the name change take place? Then I was asking, how did the name change affect your music, lyrics, or hip hop persona? Because it's weird. We embody things, you know? So I just yeah. don't know when you change it, how did that affect it? Um, it, it really didn't do much, man. I'm still the same. It's still me, same product. You know what I'm saying? Like, even, even though, you know, Benny the Butcher is on that, you know, the, the I call it Coke rap type deal, you know, with all that stuff, the mafioso rap. So, that's not me, so it never really, like, you know, changed. But on my own, as I started experimenting with stuff, you know, I, I got more, I evolved more, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, the name originally came, Abdul the Butcher, from the wrestler, you know, he was gritty, grimy, you know, didn't play fair in the ring, so that's how my style kind of was. But as I evolved, you know, I, I kind of changed my, my whole, you know, I, I started dealing with different beats, different subjects, stuff like that, you know? And then the cleaver becomes what, like just smashing people. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, it, it could be for many things. You know, I like, you know, we can chop it up on deep conversations, just you know, shit like that. You know, I, um, you know, I'm chopping beats. You know, I'm doing it all. You know, because in the butcher, it was kind of like that. You know, the butcher had like elements. You know, because uh. I, I, from uh, me, from being from New York, like I, I used to like, like other stuff, you know, I was, I'm a big West coast fan, you know, I love G funk and stuff like that, you know, and, and bone thugs, is like one of my favorite groups. I was probably like the only person out here with like a outcast or goody mob tape, you know? So I kind of like chopped it all up and, you know, created the butcher, you know, the, all those styles create me. So how did growing up in, um, uh, Long Island, um, affect your music as compared to uh the other boroughs um it was it was like you know we i feel like we don't get the respect because you know it's kind of like the burbs out here you know but uh but people gotta respect it you know the history the stuff that goes down out here too you know we would have you know some peeps come out here from queens and we'd take them on um, little night rides and do crazy shit. And be like, yo, you guys is wildin' out here in Long Island, you know, <laughs> like, you know, we'll do, be doing crazy stuff. And, uh, but it's just the real stuff, man. You know, like it's, 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 you know, it's the big melting pot over here, you know, and it's, you know, Latinos and the blacks. we're always, always here. And it's, it's, you really see the hatred out here too. You know, it's Long Island's like a, one of the most segregated places on, on, on the United States, I think, you know, all the whites are like on the South and North shore and, and all the Latinos and blacks are just dead in the middle of, of Long Island. Yes. And a piece of why they created the overhead passes was so that from like the, like the four, the fifties and sixties, that buses yep. would not be able to come with public transportation. So not too many black people would be able to come. That's so not when it came to um nannies and other people that would quote unquote help out the um rich white folks, they would have to pick them up from the Long Island Railroad, sponsor them, or they would live out here. Things were made to prevent 
Yep. Um, instead of having white flight prevent a big influx of people, right? All it's, it's it's interesting how they um set up structures, literally structures to yep. slow down that. And now a lot of these quote unquote white areas now have turned even black and brown because of the flight of people from Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx. And that's another thing that plays out in Long Island that a lot of people don't understand is that a lot of people are migrating from the boroughs out here. Yep. And yep. especially yep. now with the pandemic, there's been a ma massive flight and exodus upstate and to Long Island. So I yep. just want to add that. Yep, yep, all facts. So with this, with this mad exodus, how is that uh, affecting y'all, your area? Uh, my area is still the same, you know. Uh, like, there's more Salvadorians now, but like in the 80s, like it, it was hard. You know, like my, my dad, when he first came here, he used to be like, you know, shook because a lot of the a lot of people would wait around for like, you know, the newly immigrants that just came or whatever and catch them and jump them and take their paycheck, you know, at the end of the week or whatever it was. So, you know, it was a lot of that going on. And, um, you know, that's basically it. You know, as 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 it's got as it's grown, like, you know, the, the Salvadoran community here has grown big and stuff like that. It, uh -huh. it just it just rotates, you know, because I know back in the days, I think it was like Italians and Puerto Ricans and Dominicans and, you know, mostly black. But now it's like it's it's Latino heavy now. But it's really the same. It's really the same. But, you know, even when I went to school, I used to get called a wetback, you know. And that was like, what, 94, 95, you know, when I was in middle school. So it, it wasn't easy. But, you know, I, I had to fight for mine. So that's where, that's where it's at. So um, let me ask you this. If you... Um... <clears throat> What what solidified your um your wanting to be a hip hop artist? And if you weren't a hip hop artist, what else would you be doing? What solidified it for me was just when I started recording. You know, I, it was um it and it still is mostly I treat it like a therapy, man. I love it. It's a part mm -hmm. of me. I feel like I'm going to do it whether I sell a, a million records or one record. Like, I'm just going to do it. Like, it's just something that within me, you know, I can't really explain it. It's like, you know, touched by the universe. So something that won't leave me. <laughs> so I, I hear a lot of people that talk about um, when they're making when when they're not making music, does it affect you the same way when, when you're not able to get to the studio or you're not able to write? Does it uh, affect most most often I hear uh, that it, it does something to your spirit. Does it affect you that way when you when you can't be creative? Um, sometimes I hit those bumps, you know, where you, nothing's just coming to you. And that's when I just let it be and just go about my day and throw, then I'll throw the beat on and, and it'll come to me, you know, but it doesn't really, really hit me like that, to be honest. 
because I, I, I know, like, right now I'm having an issue with the studio, but, you know, I have material ready, so, you know what I mean? And then I'm already oh, scouting the next issue, uh, the next issue that I'm going to deal with or the next moves or whatever. Like, my plan now is maybe to get out there with the people. Hopefully the, the pandemic doesn't shut things down again, but I kind of want to just go around the city and hit open mics, you know, and just, you know, I haven't performed in a while, probably like two, three years, so that's something mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to. That's on my plate. So with the pandemic hitting New York as hard as it has, uh, how has that affected you as an artist? Uh, big time. I was about to hang it up. Uh, I wasn't even I wasn't even gonna drop the underground crown. Like, you know, like my father passed away from it in May 2020 from the virus, and then my aunt too. And uh, you know, it was just tough, man. I was just in a hole, you know. I just didn't really care about it, you know, I had no no feeling for it. But as I'm hearing the songs and the stuff that I had written down and the stuff, you know, I'm like, yo, you know what? I need to do this, you know, and I did it and it came out beautiful. It's probably my best work, so it really did come out beautiful. Okay. Uh, how, how how did um how did you hooking up with uh Shay Noir happen? Um uh, again, uh, I had I had a beat in my head and I, and I just I don't know, I have this thing that like I'll hear if I hear a certain artists on it or whatever the case is, I'm gonna reach out to them and try and make it happen. So I heard her on this beat and I just, I, I rolled the dice. I was like, let me see what happens. Cause I know she was getting her little buzz going. And I said, I reached out to her, you know, she told me what it was and it worked out fine. And I, I crafted the record then and there after I, I finished talking with her, I sent it over. She laced it, sent it back to me. And it was what I wanted, you know, cause I wanted to make a New York, I wanted to make an anthem, you know, like, bring back those anthems which goes back to the whole uh mm -hmm. naughty by nature influence house of pain type of stuff that's a fact shit you know it was like there's not many anthems like there was back in the days you know so i was like I, I i still got love for them so i was like yo let me try and make something for new york she's not from the city i'm not from the city but we still rep in new york where we at and uh it came out great so i loved it yeah it reminded me of of it it was just so so nineties hip hop. It it uh it was dope. And how did Thanks. you come come up with the subject matter? Because y'all nailed it. Uh I don't know. The beat was just hard, you know, it was just bumping and I'm like, yo, this has gotta be, you know, and it just came to me. Hey, forget about the rhyme. Got to where I'm at through a dollar and a crime. You know, it just I just built it, you know, I was it just it just came to me, man. So, you know, it wasn't no method to it. I just wanted to make the anthem a set with the beat and I wanted to trade bars with a with a with a top spitter and God made it happen. Let's talk about um aqua. Yeah. I really love that song. Thank you, thank you. Uh, it feels like under it, the radar, but, you know, thank you. Yeah, it's one of those songs that, that if you aren't listening, you could miss it. And it speaks of struggle so poignantly. Yeah. Uh, how did you come to write that? Because I listen to it if I'm having a, a hard day and and not quite um, figuring it out, I'll pop in that song and it so focuses me. So what was 
how'd you come up with that concept? Man, I, I gotta be uh, right now. I'm just grateful that that you said that because that's what it's about. You know, when I when I'm when I'm making these records, I do it for myself, and then I'm like, maybe it could touch somebody else, and th that's great, man. I love that you said that, and you know, I just heard the beat, and I just envisioned that too. You know, even for the video, I had that vision that it had to be like little water, you know, and that's what mm -hmm. it's about. You know, what, what we what what are we doing now to leave for the future, or even for yourself? You know, you gotta you gotta plant your seeds, and you gotta always water them. Never forget about it. You know, your own goals, yourself. You know, taking care of yourself. Yeah, um, I, I I've learned that the hard way doing this podcast. So when I finally found, when I finally found someone who kind of, who so embodied everything that I was trying to do, especially with underground artists, um, it's been a struggle, but it has been a fulfilling struggle. And when I listen to Aqua, it just, makes everything it, it 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 firms up my decisions yeah that's what's yeah up. so that is that that song was fantastic and, awesome. and not only the and not, and not only the and not only the message too, like it, it's got it's got some thump you know if you bump it in the system oh, that yeah. bass is, bass is ridiculous <laughs> you know I'm southern so you can always yeah. you can always get me with some bass. If yeah. the windows is rattling, no you doubt. in there. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's what's up. Go pick up the CDs, cassettes, and vinyl on Bandcamp now. Word Boom. up. Definitely. I was gonna ask about the artwork because that's what caught me with it. I saw it on Twitter. The yeah. artwork caught me like. What inspired that? How did that come about? That's first. And the second is the title. What does it mean? How did that come about? Those are my two questions. The artwork. <clears throat> just like that song, Grab SP, the artwork grab. That's what's up. That's what's up, man. I appreciate it. Um, the artwork was done by Space Case. He also mixed and mastered the project and was featured on it. Um, he's a talented dude, man. He's from Wisconsin. Uh, I got the opportunity to link up with him and we just you know we have a good vibe a good relationship and uh i just told them kind of what i wanted you know i send them some certain pictures here and there <clears throat> first it was just a standard skull with the crown and i'm like nah man it's gotta it's gotta be deeper and that's how the tree is you know it's like you know the roots from that are within you whatever you're you're planted yourself in in you know all your family struggles like you know the roots your deep roots and then, you know, coming out of the crown is, you know, what what, what the final product, you know, I guess kind of like a butterfly metamorphosis type thing, but, you know, it's a tree, you know? So that that's kind of how that artwork came about. You know, you're rooted deep in, into the underground and just, you know, but, you, but you're standing tall, you know? Um, Blooming blossom. Yep. Blooming blossom. Yep. That's right. But in, you know, a tree, you know, more strong. And uh, <clears throat> as far as the name Underground Crown, I just, you know, it's kind of, I was kind of being, you know, like brash with it, you know, like, yo, this this is my shit, you know, Underground Crown, like, you know, crown me, like, you know, that, that's basically, it wasn't nothing too much deep to it, but, you know, just letting them know my position, you know. 
I grew up in the 80s, and growing up in the 80s, um, it was a confusing time because we had also grew up in the 70s. And so it was a time of empowerment, and it was a time of um, um, a lot of uh, music, especially <clears throat> hip-hop music that was uplifting and kind of spoke to the moments we were in. Yeah. And then the eighties hit, right? <laughs> so um, when the eighties hit, there was a huge, there was a huge shift, right? So, um, being your age, you cut you you probably came up in the era where it was full blown. Yes, great. I came up in the era where we were adjusting to the change and momentum. And yes. once it hit, it kind of took us by surprise. But you grew up in the era that that was what you knew. Yeah. So um, growing up in that time where they made all of these um, laws and broke up so many families and um, there was so such an increase, a massive increase in gang activity, um, how, did, how did that um, move your focus? Uh, as a teen or as a kid, I mean, as a teen, I, I was in, I was in the mix, you know. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, I, I was, I was, I'm from '83, so you know, I had that little bit in the '80s, but I did grow up in the '90s, you know. So, I say I'm blessed because you know I had the the the, the ability to see all this new technology now and be a part of it, and then also mm -hmm. with the old school ways instilled, you know, and um. As far as the gang activity, that that was always going on around here too, you know, in Brentwood, it was always around. So you know, I know that there have been uh, certain issues that have happened probably with within the last decade that came to the forefront, uh, and you know, but it was mostly political theater. I'm saying, you know, those certain yeah. gangs that came on front of newspapers, but you know, it's political theater. It goes hand in hand with immigration situations, and you know people trying to get into office and they're going to come out here and kiss babies and shake hands and stuff like that. But it, it, it doesn't go away. You know, the, the, the problems are deeply rooted and, you know, then there needs to be other type of solutions. But me, I was kind of in the mix, but, you know, I, I kind of stayed neutral too. So, you know, I was able to have mm -hmm. friends and different gangs, but it would be an issue and it kind of hurt and there would be nothing I could do about it if, you know, they were, they were going to get into it. So, yeah. I think it's always hard to be it's always hard when you're neutral because yeah. I was I also stayed neutral. I I didn't want to be involved in any way, shape or form because um I knew early off that I wasn't a track star and I wasn't gonna get in the habit <laughs> of running. So. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Nah, yeah, but that, that was me too. I was I was asked plenty of times by different, you know, organizations, but just something within my heart was like, you know, I just didn't I always I always had that that 
for that forward thinking, like, you know, I can go down for somebody that I'm I'm not even tight with like that, you know, or somebody that's not real really a do or die, excuse me, couldn't can tell on you or they get into something and then just because they're part of the organization, whatever the case is, the gang, you gotta go out there and show face for them and they they might not even be a solid individual. You know what I'm saying? So that's what kind of kept me back from all that. I never wanted to go down for anybody else or anything. If I was going to go down, it was gonna be from for me, you know. Yeah, mine was real simple. I didn't want to get shot at. That's that, that, that's yeah. Everybody I knew that was in gangs was getting shot at. Not I, I, yeah. I like I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that that's just not my that's just not my my thing. I don't I don't want to get shot at. So I pretty yeah. much uh avoided it as best I could considering the family that I came from. But yeah. uh, there was so much um it was so much drugs i remember um a show that they used to make us watch in texas about heroin wow and it was shot in new york it was shot in new york mm-hmm. how prevalent was heroin in in new york i mean uh, this past uh, decade, fifteen years, there there was really been an uprising and and that you know with overdoses and stuff like that, or people just uh-huh. you know overcutting things with certain materials and stuff like that. But believe it or not, like in the nineties and all that stuff, like it was, it was about coke and crack out here. Like you know, crack yeah. was still was still pumping. I'm pretty sure even still out there, somebody's still making some some money on it. You know, but. But now, within the past fifteen years, definitely it's hit. You know the the brighter communities, and and you know they that's when they really start taking action when it starts hitting the bright communities, and you know they're like, oh, what's going on here? And you know who's on the other hand of uh, of who's on the other hand of that is you know individuals like myself or somebody else, and you know I I have some good people that are doing big time since they they made rule, laws stricter since you know the mm-hmm. overdoses and stuff like that. Yeah, I um, it always bothers me because I I grew up in the time of crack, and I uh, I remember the labeling of crackheads and crack fiends and crack babies, and yeah. they were giving those they were giving um the addicts big time. Yeah, and crazy, now, right? And now because. It is um, not our community. Mm-hmm. Um, now all of a sudden it's a crisis, yep. and it's opioid crisis, and Addiction. these people need help. Rehabilitation. Now, now they have money for centers and all this stuff. You know, imagine how many people they could have saved back then. You know, mm-hmm. if they were if they were treated differently, how they were supposed to be. How many families would have exactly. still been together? Because I watched our neighborhoods get destroyed um, with crack and n- nothing. It was yep. nothing done. As a matter of fact, they raised the sentences and made um, crack a higher um, drug offense than cocaine because you had to manufacture it. 
Yeah, you get caught with that, you get more time, or they come in, you know, with paddy wagons through the through the blocks to pick people up by the by the bunches, you know. So there's so many um there's so many families that are um that are affected by it. And as an artist, I know people uh I know for us we say it a lot, we want we still need those artists that speak to the times that we're in. Um, yeah. The things that's happening around you, um, especially with the opioid crisis, this these newfangled gangs that's beheading people, and it's just weird shit that just wasn't happening. I mean, we were they were shooting people, but wasn't nobody cutting nobody head off. Yeah. So, with yeah. all of these new weird things that's going on in the world, does that affect your music or you as an artist? Um, not really, because like I said, you know, when a lot of things like that have happened, especially in more recent times, it's like to me, to me, it's nothing. You know, it's like it's always, it's always been here. It's it's nothing new to me. Mm -hmm. You know. And and do you think that it is uh? The art is, do you feel like, because I know a lot of us come down hard on artists, you know, because we're so used to growing up in the era that we grew up in, um, artists addressing things that are happening in their spaces, right? Yeah. Um, do you think artists have a certain amount of responsibility to, um, we always, I always, I could always put in an album and knew uh and knew what was the the atmosphere like in New York or the oh, okay. atmosphere on the West Coast or yeah, the yeah. atmosphere in Georgia or Atlanta, what was going on in our neighborhoods across um across the the United States. So is, do you think it's an issue now that so many um, artists are kind of blending styles across the country where you you never quite sure where someone is from? Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, where back in the day it was different, but now um, it's like boundaries and borders are down. You know, it's like everybody's more like, yo, it it's kind of the same everywhere, you know? You're always going to find that spot. Like, right now, I can just go drive up the block over there, and you're going to see, you know, the, the bus stop full of, you know, addicts and just homeless people and stuff like that, you know, it's right up the block from me. So, you know, it, it, it it's it's everywhere. And uh, I guess, you know, that that's what, you know, that's what's hard now. I guess, you know, everybody just in it together, you know, everybody sees that it's, it's all oh. the same everywhere, so... Definitely the the bound the borders are down, you know, on on what's east, west, south, whatever, you know, it's it's all similar. So, so how how do you feel uh, about Latin Latinx artists? Um, do you feel like they get the recognition these days compared to like the African American artists? And is there enough representation for Hispanic artists that uh, we haven't heard any? Uh, Big hip hop artists like since Big Pun or Cypress Hill, 
Um, and when you think about that portion, do you think um, that uh, what do you think about this guest in hip hop stuff? <clears throat> um, I don't know. I, I thought I thought you know Latinos and Blacks made it happen, and I know people always want to want to just claim things to just claim it instead of you know just letting mm -hmm. it organically grow and be what it is. But on a higher scale, definitely there hasn't been much like Cypress Hill or Big Pun, and and you know those were my representations. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, it is what it is. You know that that's how it is. You know, or even like. I started going back and listening to Kid Frost's album, and I was like, "Yo, this dude was nasty. Like, he was nasty on the mic. He he was a beast." And um, I, I'm just I I definitely don't feel like a guest. Like I said in the beginning, it's like something that's naturally in me. You know, like I said when I thought about Long Island or whatever, and then I was like, "Yo, this this is this is this is me." You know, it's no, no faking, no nothing. You know, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and I, I and I know I. Uh, uh, just recently, about two years ago, whatever, I started seeing that somebody like myself saying the N word really bothers, like, you know, especially mostly Southern uh, black folks and stuff like that. <clears throat> and I didn't want to, you know, people to, to get a wrong impression on me. So I cut it out of my music, you know, I just mm -hmm. cut it out completely of my music. And stuff yeah, like that. I, 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 I do think that is a. Uh southern thing especially a texas southern thing mostly mm. because um we are very well aware that we are the minorities in this state and um <clears throat> quite often um our our hispanic brothers and sisters tend to lean into whiteness there are those self-hating people, yeah. Yeah, they kind of lean into whiteness, so you you have to become aware of what's going on around you. Um, most of the most of the people, you know, like that I grew up with, it's totally different. But I grew up with it. You know what I mean? It's it's a it's a it's a safe space. But yep. I I've realized as I've gotten older. <clears throat> that there is a there are certain things that black people um go through that other people of color don't because some people can pass and yeah. we don't always have that option um yeah no i definitely feel that but i i think that's dope that you uh you were conscious even conscious of it because it's so often that people aren't even conscious of the discomfort of others. So that was that's kind of dope that you even thought about it. Yeah, I had to be, be like growing up. I was just reckless. You know, it was like part of my everyday vocabulary <laughs> and all my old songs and all that. And then I just, you know, I, I don't know. I just felt like I had to grow, you know, I had to grow. Like somebody's told me that somebody's told me that word is attached to just a mentality, you know? Yeah, it, and it's interesting because um, Big Pun and the Beat Nuts and Fat Joe got away with it, you know, with that type of talk on a regular basis. So um, I, I'm 
I be, they, be real, you know. They they that's how yeah. they, they were talking, you know. That's how the records were too. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of conflicted with it. Plus, being from New York, you know, it's kind of yeah. Kinda, in the in the, the tri-state area, it's, yeah, yeah, it, it, it definitely is. It goes hand in hand with the cancel culture and all. That's, that's like saying Eminem could drop "Kill You" today, you know. Forget about it, you know. Oh, Imagine yeah. that that, yeah. that Marshall Mathers Eminem, LP. Could, Eminem could drop "Kill You" today, and it wouldn't affect him at all. No, but, but I'm saying like it wouldn't that's take. That's also a white thing. You okay, know, so he white <laughs> always could drop shit that nobody yeah. else could drop. That's true. That's true. He could probably get it, but it's it's nah. They they probably cancel him. You know, using you know the f word and you know stuff like that. Like you know, it, it goes hand he in hand. Do? I think he just used it on his last album. Oh yeah, damn. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear it. <laughs> Yeah, he used it on uh, he used it on this last one. He used it on uh, um, the album before that. Actually, I did listen to uh, was it music to be murdered too or something? Music to be, yeah. Okay, I did hear that. I gave it three mics. Yeah, I like music to be murdered by. I thought I thought I, it was I, all right. What's that, that title? Oh gosh. <laughs> I I I like love the concept because it was um it was an Alfred Hitchcock Hitchcock concept and Alfred Hitchcock put out an album called Music to Be Murdered by years ago. And yeah, that yeah. was the concept for that album. But the song that I really loved off that album is the one everybody hates. And it's called Little Engine. I think I remember it. I think I remember it. I'm not it, too sure. The beat is whack, and <laughs> but I thought it was a great representation of his his him being on the spectrum of autism. Oh, okay. Um, he, he's he's been on he's on the spectrum, and the stop yelling. I'm not yelling. You know. Um. Who, why is that hammering going on? You know that what's going on in his head and why the why he says the things that he says. I thought it was such a, a great representation of being on the spectrum and the things that people who have those kind of disabilities hear and uh, but aren't always able to express and people don't always understand. Yeah. Definitely. Let me. Yeah, oh, I wanted to ask a question. Speaking uh -huh. of like, because you kind of talking about like whether it's personality disorders, mental health, et cetera, et cetera. Um, talking to you, DeCleaver, like um, you saying that your father passed away recently, yeah. aunt due to COVID and other complications. Sorry about that. And I know Thanks. that you said that the music. Welcome. I know that you said that the music is a form of therapy for you. Um. How do you, I guess, take care of yourself, like self-care, dealing with PTSD, grief, you know, like yeah. how have you been coping with that? Because she asked you before professionally, but I guess personally, how are you processing and taking care of yourself from an artist to, you know, the other artists out there? Yeah, man, it definitely was tough. And, you know, you don't have to be on the battlefields to have PTSD. You know, everybody knows that, you know, the, the, however you grow up or whatever the things that happen to you in, in, in your lifetime. 
And it was tough, man. Like I said, I didn't even care about music or nothing, but somehow it kept calling me. You know, that's why I say it's part of me. It's from the universe to me. And that's why I'm always going to do it, you know, regardless. You know, I'll probably be 50 putting out an album. But uh, I didn't want to do nothing, man. And uh, I felt trapped. You know, I felt trapped. Like I, I was living at a place that was, you know, it was pretty out of my range, pricey. But, you know, I had to keep going to work. But now I, I like, you know, two weeks ago, I put in my two weeks and now I'm free. I'm going to take off like a month so I can personally grieve and, um, you know, just take my time, make some more music. So that's how I'm taking care of myself right now. And it was probably the best decision I made. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Some time yeah. For himself. Sorry. All right. Yeah. And 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 it, and it, and, it, and it happened, man. It's like like, you know, that's what I mean. Like things are just meant to happen and I can't question it. You know, the universe moves, you know, sometimes you don't even want to do something, but it pushes you in that direction. And mm -hmm. it was like after a while, I got out of that apartment complex and, you know, it was pricey. Then I came to live here in my dad's house and uh, I lived in the uh, I live here in the in the bottom part of the house and I started saving some money. So that gave me that. You know, I didn't feel trapped. Like I felt trapped before. I'm like, yo, I can't, I can't stop working. I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like I never took that time for myself and self-reflection. And like I tell like my like my family members, my wife, you know, she's like, oh, what are you gonna do that? But it's like for me, you know, I'm going into a new era. Like I'm gonna be 40 in two more years. So I'm just like reflecting on my life, stuff that's happened, where I wanna go. Uh, dealing with this, with my father's passing and just, you know, where, you know, I'm going to go into a new era without him by my side too, because, you know, when my parents split, I, I can't, I was living with him, you know, since I was like nine. So mm -hmm. we, were, we were tight, you know. Um, what would you suggest, just um, in layman's, what would you su suggest that people, because I see so much false information going out. When you see that and knowing uh, what has happened within your own family, um, how does that affect you? Because it's so much uh, misinformation going on and it's so many people that are um, in denial about a lot of stuff that's happening. How does seeing that affect you? Uh, it was crazy. Like I said, like, you know, like not only with the last presidency and you see the white supremacists out here with their flags and full pride on display and, you know, going against it, and, you know, yeah, and out in Suffolk County. It's crazy, man. Uh, and, and, you know, them going against everything, you know, saying like it's fake and all this stuff. And, you know, my, my aunt passed, my father passed. It, it was tough, man. And then in the mornings, I'd be driving to work. It, it took a mental strain. You know, that's why I said um, I'd be driving and you there would be nobody on the roads. And you just see the sign, you know, COVID is real. Put a mask on, you know, and you constantly seeing that for seven, eight months. You know, you're like, man, like, you know, is this going to have an end? What's going to happen? You know, and. I don't know. It did take its toll on me mentally, but now I, I'm glad. Like I said, I, I saved up some money and I, I'm taking my time and I'm going to take care of myself for a few. And, you know, what's funny is uh, when I when I left, then my boss is like trying to give me a raise, trying to do everything for me not to leave. And I'm like, you know, I, I got to do this. So I felt like, you know, the universe did this for me. Take your break, my child. And, 
your job is always there, whatever the case is, you know? Mm -hmm. And if worse comes to worse, you can always get another one or create one. Exactly. I, I like what you said. You said, I feel that I was trapped, but you realized that it was a self-imposed imprisonment and a, and a self-imposed false of sense of security. And you're like, I need to, like Bob Marley said, none but ourselves can free our minds. And you're like, I need to liberate myself. And yeah. many people, right, are afraid to take um, two or three steps back to then take four or five forward. And you said I was willing to humble myself, plus go into the basement, do et cetera, to take care of myself so that then I could grow and expand, move into the next. And sometimes people take that as, man, I'm not going to take that L. I'm not taking that loss. Look mm -hmm. at what I've done here. <laughs> but you realize that holding on would actually be the thing that could actually drown you. And you're like, I need to let go so that yeah. I can take care of myself and rise. And I think that's Definitely. an important piece to let people know. Like, right? Like, I don't always have to move forward. Sometimes you do have to take a step back to then gain mm -hmm. some ground. Sometimes you do have to step away to give yourself a mental break. Sometimes you do need to recharge to get invigorated and attack again. And I think that's amazing that you did that. And, and sometimes people's egos or their mental blocks will tell them, I'm failing by doing this. But no, I'm actually, I'm going to end up on the um, brighter side when I come out of this. So I just thought that was amazing that you did that. Congrats to Definitely. you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. It, it was very much needed, and, I, and I'm and I'm glad I, I did, you know. And now I could do other things, you know. Like I was I was fortunate enough to get my you know CDL, so that's what I do, and that's what I'm focused on. And, you know, uh, above my music is what I have is like trying to get my own little truck and get my own things happening. So you know, I never know. You know, the day tomorrow, maybe my son doesn't want to go to school. Maybe he doesn't you know maybe he just wants to work and he can come on and you know carry it you know carry it into the future whatever the case is you know it's just my little blueprints in my head you know i know um there was there was this was the question that's being said um i know that one thing i've noticed on this and i've repeated this a few times that I've been <laughs> in this podcast many of the artists have repeated that they nearly gave up or they did give up Something pushed them into it, and then here we are on a podcast talking to them. <laughs> they dropped the illest project that they did in their career, Thank yada yada. You kind of you did say it, but I kind of want to know exactly what was the tipping point for you to go. I am not giving this up because sometimes I'm sure people with podcasts or their careers or whatever. Like, man, I'm done with this or their marriage or whatever. I'm done. Yeah. Here's the white towel. What <laughs> was it you think that made you say, "All right"? I got to go again. Yes, it called you, but there had to be some. Can you take us through that? Like what exactly happened here? Um, I got to say, maybe it was um, when my brother sent me a recording of my dad that he that he had gotten from my sister because my sister lives in Texas. So they would always chat on the phone and my dad, you know, send her a voice note. And I think that's what it was when uh, he, I heard that I was like, yo. Because he says it in Spanish, but he's like, yo, uh, thank you for the pictures, whatever. He's like, have a good night. I love you all or whatever. You know, he's talking to my sister and, and my niece and nephew or whatever. But just that, you know, I was like, yo, this got to be the outro to the album. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the outro to the album. And I made him executive producer on the album. On the inside of the physical and the CD is a picture of me and him, and I'm a baby, and he's he has me, and he's like just pointing at the camera, so it looks like he's like pointing at the world, you know, like he's setting me off on the world, you know. So, 
something like that. That that's what really. And then I had a beat too, and and that beat, I was like, yo, I gotta make a song here, which it, it turned out to be the song Rain. So you know, it was dedicated to him, and you know, and everybody else going through any mental struggle, whatever. I saw the hook goes the way that it is, you know. Yeah, this album was extremely personal, which is that always draws me. That that will draw me in quicker than anything because I've talked to you on Twitter a lot, but this is the first time I felt that I actually understood you as an artist. Thank you. Um, what uh, what what inspired you to be this personal in an album? Uh, just like I said, just the things that I was going through, you know, and just trying to piece the 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 puzzle together, you know. Like I said, I had already had like at least four songs recorded for it, and I just had the beats mm -hmm. and concepts and everything laid out for everything else. And I was either gonna put it out as an EP or and just be done with with making music or even this whole being an artist thing, you know. It's like that's that I, I kind of put myself as just a person first, you know, like I can't be like, you know, I, I, I don't see myself as an artist, you know, that's why I, I, even you saying that, like, even now I'm like, I'm still trying to find myself as an artist, you know, like trying to find that, that, you know, whatever makes me the artist. And I, I, but I'm just expressing myself. And I didn't even really think it was going to be that, that, that personal because I've gotten certain feedbacks from the album that's like, yeah, over here, some situation. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. The person. I, I'm not gonna name, but it was like I'm trying to get what you're trying to say in in your lyrics and stuff like that. And obviously, a lot of encoded stuff. And you know, I don't know. It, it's like I'm from that era where you had to listen to the music consistently and try and break it down. So you mm -hmm. know, it wasn't flat out like that. But I'm glad it came off as a personal album because you know. Like I said, I, I almost gave up on it. And then I just, you know, whatever came to my mind or whatever I wanted to express, you know. Yeah, the replay value is ridiculous. Thank you. Because as many times as, I, as I've heard it, I still go back and catch stuff that I miss. Thank the you. production is fantastic. Shout out to Restless uh, Mind. Yeah, Restless Mind did the damn thing on that production. How did you end up working with um, Restless Mind? Uh, Restless Mind and Space Case, I met them and uh, like we made uh, this dude from England had made a group that he wanted to, to make uh, like a compilation kind of. And it was mm -hmm. just artists from all over the United States. Uh, uh, Space Case is from Wisconsin. Uh, uh, Restless is from Netherlands, so Restless was the beat provider, and that's how we linked up. And out of the whole group, we're we're still working. We got a project together, me, Space Case, and Restless together. We we got a group called Remedy, and Restless did all the beats on that. That's gonna be coming mm -hmm. out maybe maybe in the spring. But that's how I linked up with him. We did uh uh two songs for that compilation. The chemistry was there, and you know we just built from there on, and and. He, one of my one of my good friends in in this music, for real. So who who was the guy from England? Uh, his name was Street Orphan. Okay. Yeah. Give him a shout out. Shout out, um, Street Orphan, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love those kind of stories because uh, 
you know, when I when I started my Twitter page, my whole idea was that it would be a Twitter page full of artists that could meet each other and hopefully work together. And I always find it dope when I'm just scrolling through the timeline and somebody runs across another artist that's on the timeline like, oh, this shit's fire. And so anytime I hear those hookups, it just it just delights me. I, I I love that about I love that about this generation of artists that y'all are so in tune to each other. Yeah, man, I've had the pleasure of linking up and like I, I had tweeted before, like later last year, um, you know, I had made a list in the beginning of the year. I kind of always make a list of people that I want to work with and stuff. And like 80 percent of that came true. And, and it, it's good, man. It's like good people. You put in a good music. You know, I just recently collabed with Know It All, uh, uh, Be uh, Knocking, um, uh, Sammy Two Times, Echo. You know, th there's a few more who I'm trying to think of. Lugs. From, he's from England. Inside I love the lugs. Yeah. So I, I got, I got, I got like three joints with him in the tuck. You know. Lugs been promising me an interview since uh, I was on No Knockoffs. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I, I'm finna harass him as soon as we finish. Say, fella. He's, a, he's busy, man. <laughs> he that dude dropped so much music, man. He, he's impressive, man, and. and and he takes me, he takes me to where he's at vividly, you know, in, in my mind when I listen to his music. So shout out. Yeah, Lugs. he's so dope. And I've I've been after him for about four years because I just think his music is that fire. I think um this is that's one of the best things I I it's why I will never delete Twitter. Some of the best artists I have found has been just people saying listen to my music yep. and because I'm a sucker I'm going to press play every single time somebody says <laughs> that because it is my it, it is my um, it is my feeling that most people just want to be heard and um, if I can do that why not you know yeah. So I love that you're working with Lugs, and I definitely love that you're working with Know It All. I, I have a soft place in my heart for Know It All and Sammy two times. Yeah. <laughs> I think they are very supportive of other artists, and that's not always easy to come by. Um, have you felt the support from your community? Uh, yeah, I was going to say that, you know, like... Uh the, the 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 respect and all that from the peers is great but you know what i really love is the listeners man like you know you telling me what you said about agua and you know somebody else re had reached out to me about rain about the song mm -hmm. rain you know that it touched them too so it's great I, I i love i love the respect from from the peers but you know i, I always love more the listeners you know what i'm saying because believe me there's like a million artists that that'll start following me out of the blue but I, I don't know. I'm like, man, who is this guy? You know, I'm like, you know, just so many artists. Like, it's, it, I don't know. Sometimes I feel I, I I might be wrong for thinking like that. But sometimes I'm like, I don't know. It's too many rappers now, you know. <laughs> That's but how I feel sometimes. The with the real ones, you know who they are. 
because I don't care what you drop. They're going to retweet your stuff. They're going to listen. They're going to um, have feedback on it. You know, they are more than just people that are following you just to get a follow. And I hate those people. I hate those people that didn't follow you for just to get a follow because y'all's music is so dope that it deserves to be heard. And it's the reason I do all of this is because I think y'all deserve a platform in order to be heard. Appreciate you. People should know. Um, when you when you think back on all the projects you've dropped, um, this is you say this is your favorite project. What is your favorite song from this project? Oh man, it varies every day, every time. <laughs> But like you know, um, I probably have to say like write rhymes. I was very, I, I was really mm-hmm. expressed myself on there, especially in the second verse. I talk about what like hip hop meant to me and the mm-hmm. situations that it pulled me through. Uh, definitely love Agua too. Uh, it's just a lot of bangers. Rain is is one of my favorites too. You know. So where do you see your career in five years? Um, I don't know. Hopefully I can hit Europe, you know, I definitely would like to spread out and just, you know, have travel with my music and, you know, make maybe catch more ears, you know, it's a totally different era, you know, there's no labels, there's no that, even like, you know, a lot of people stay relevant with gossip and stuff like that. So it's a weird era to navigate through. And then with the streaming, it kind of makes it hard to anybody. You really gotta love this shit to be doing it, you know, because it's really not yeah. a come up. It's not a come up like it was in the '90s anymore, or even the early 2000s. It's not that that come up. So, you know, that's why I always encourage people to always buy the physicals. You know, support mm-hmm. the artist, man. Support the artist for real. Of course, yeah. Um, that's it. Mm-hmm. I, I, just to answer your question, I definitely see myself just expanding more you know growing more and you know hopefully catching more ears and i really wish that i had the money to put behind you know like certain artists that you said like you know that i've met on twitter that are great and i'm like man these guys need to get out there man i wish i could you know have put a machine behind them but Mm -hmm. maybe i would be able to do that in the future you know maybe scout some people and you know help, help push that that products too so when you think back to this project and um, what do you want the, uh, the audience to actually get from this project as a whole? As a whole? That the, I'm fucking dope. <laughs> <laughs> That's Done. it, you know? That, that, that I'm somebody... Does. That, that that I'm dope and that I'm somebody that they could come to when they want some hip-hop, you know, some dope shit. Is there an overall message or a theme in this album? Overall message or a theme? Nah, like I said in the beginning with the whole cover, I was just talking my shit, you know. Um, you know, I'm on the throne, like, you know, and I want to get more, more uh, product out there so, so people enjoy it and, you know, 
see my variety, the variety that I have, you know. And uh, and the theme to the album was I try to sprinkle variety in there too. You know, I had the anthems, the darker drawings, you know, even a little explicit one for the ladies, you know, just little stuff like that. You know, the rain drawing, you know. So. Mm -hmm. Um, when you sit back and you think about um, your life as a man, what mm -hmm. do you want your legacy to be? Um, I just want to leave good memories, uh, help out whoever I can help out, and uh, that's it, man. Just leave good memories to my family. Leave them somewhat established so they can go on into the future. You know, give give them that little bootstrap that not a, a bunch of people like us didn't get. You know, give them that little lift. And what do you want your? What do you want to be known for as an artist? As an artist, um, I don't know, cause I've always been like a like a dark horse, you know. I'm always counted out. I'm not somebody that somebody thinks, you know, is gonna be, you know. And and I'm like that too. I, me personally, I'm like that, you know. If, I, I would be if there was a group, I'd be like the Wishbone or the You God, you know. I'm like in the back, you know. That's just how I am. Like I don't want to. I don't need the spotlights. I don't need none of that, you know. I just want to be a part of some of of, of some great stuff, you know. I just want to be a part of the greatness, and hopefully, people will be like. Well, uh, like I said in some other thing, I said when you're thinking of hip hop, you better be thinking of my name, you know, Cleaver. So hopefully, you know, people would just put me there somewhere, you know, and and keep me in their list. Already, no doubt. Top five. Who's your top five MCs at this moment? Because if you like me, mine changes all the time. My top five consists of about forty motherfuckers. So. <laughs> It does, man, and, and I don't know. I'm not too good with lists. I'm really not. I am not either. I normally uh, just rattle off the first top, first five I think of because my top five is about fifty people. Okay, I, I gotta say, um, I'm not gonna but go I mean with the, that you're listening to right now. I'm not gonna go uh, with the usual, so I'm gonna do like, excuse me, a big influence for me was Prodigy. So Prodigy's like for me is number one. Then uh, Nas, Ghostface, uh, uh, Crazy Bone, Busy Bone, you know. Dope. Yeah. Dope. And top five producers. Oof, top five producers. Uh, Dr. Dre, uh, Premier, RZA, Havoc. And uh, DJ Muggs. I love that you mentioned Havoc. I love Havoc. And man. DJ Muggs. Oh, my God. So underrated as producers. Yes. 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 And I got to say, those are the godfathers of everything that how the... Because to be honest, I even stopped listening to hip hop for a while, especially in that 6 9 trap era. Like, I was like, yo, this... Uh -huh. This is done. Like even when I was doing, I did uh, release two out. I did one in 2016 and one 2018, and I had people in the studio that would tell me like that my sound was dated. You know, like that was like you know it was about the trap. Yo, get on some trap beats, man. Get on this. Do do this. Then I'm like, nah. I stuck to I stuck and I still sticking to my formula. And lo and behold, like 2016, 2017, the the that type of style starts rising. You know. 
But for me, I wasn't too impressed. I liked the sound because it was kind of like that mob. D you know, that's the essence of the sound that resurged now was the mob mm -hmm. deep RZA, the mug sound, you know, that type mm -hmm. of sound. So, uh, you know, I I'm glad that it came back. But, you know, we got we got to keep going and take it to the next level because all that mafioso rap, I'm like, people are going crazy. And I'm like, all right, I already heard this in the 95, you know. <laughs> He was still champion Tony Montana and stuff like that. Like that's old oh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who's your dream collab for 2022? Uh dream collab. Um right now I have something that I'm working on that I'm I'm I might I might look into getting like uh somebody like Ty Ferris on. Mm. So I'm gonna reach out to Ty Ferris in the near Bye. future. And, uh, you know, there's somebody that I'm working with from around my area. So he's somebody that I'm that I'm going to do a project with in the future, too. Uh, maybe uh, maybe I could do something with that boy, Vic, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So so that 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 question, because I, I put up a tweet about two questions I have from 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 people. One of them was from Jay Furman. He's a mm -hmm. producer. And uh, I'm going to do a project with him. And he asked me who who would I want to co uh, collab with on the ground MC from Twitter. And it'll probably be uh, that boy, Vic. Jay Furman is a an excellent producer. Yes. Big um, I love I love his production. I love the way um, I, I, I love the way that he blends sound. It's it's really well done i'm uh always impressed even if the artist that he works uh, works with is not fired the his production can carry uh uh a project he's that good so i i'm going to love to hear you over jay Furman's production because a dope artist and dope production you just can't beat that that's Thank just you. like a charm. Yeah, hope to make <laughs> hope to make you proud on that. That's gonna be a full e uh, LP. So we're looking for the summer for that for that album. Oh, that's gonna be so fire! Just make sure you tag me in it because you Definitely. know I'm on it. Definitely. You know I'm on it. <laughs> Jay, I I never I never miss a Jay Furman production. He is so fire. Yes, he is, and I'm glad that he reached out and. We could came to terms on something and, and we we're going to rock it out. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I, that's my next blueprint right now that I'm working on. And um, I just want to answer one more question that I had from Twitter. This one's for, for Hell's Ones. Uh, she asked me, do I rap in Spanish and, and, and stuff like that? I've tried it before and I didn't like how my voice sounded with the whole, with, with the Spanish words, you know? So I, <laughs> I, I think mm -hmm. that that I think that should stayed in the studio, <laughs> but uh, I have a song coming out soon, and I probably have like eight bars that are Spanish. So uh, I really don't dabble in the Spanish like that. But maybe you know I do have a few people that that can spit, and maybe I'll bring them out on the project and give them some shine. You know, I would um I would love that. I would love to see you bring um, that part of yourself out. I know, it, especially when you're not uh, 
speaking Spanish on a regular basis. It could be kind of, you know, you, you speak uh, mo most of the Hispanic people that I know that grew up here um, is more Spanglish than Spanish. Yeah. So, <laughs> nah, so I, 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 I'm good with my Spanish. It's just to find words and rhyme them and have a flow. It's like, you know, and, yeah. I, and, and me growing up already just straight on English hip hop. And then like, I don't know, it's just, you know, it's, it's not my element, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll dabble in it for the future. It's such a romantic and beautiful language. I hope that uh, you can find your groove with it because it would be wonderful to hear it on wax. Yeah. I'm going to dabble with it. I'm going to try it out. Yeah. Uh, the, name of the, show is, the name of the show is Powerful Impact. So... Boom from what, the cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I read it, that, that plays in my head. I don't know why. Every time I see Powerful Impact, boom from the cannon. That, that just, that's automatic. <laughs> I think that's it, automatic for everybody because I do the same <laughs> thing and I'm on it. I'm like, yeah. Powerful impact. <laughs> so, you know, that it, I always sing the name of the song in my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, who are the three most influential people, personally and professionally, that provided a powerful impact in your life? Um. Oof. First of all, my, my cousin, my older cousin, who, you know, opened up the gates for hip hop for me. Uh, my father, you know, who showed, who showed me the hard work and, you know, just his struggle and everything, you know, let me know where I'm coming from and what I need to represent and how solid I got to be, you know. And um, who else, man? I'm going to say my wife. She pushed me to be better. <laughs> That's always a uh, um, special thing because people think it is just inherent and that says a lot um, to who your wife is yeah. that she was able to uh, inspire that in you because not everybody has that ability. I don't care. Um, I, I, it, it takes a special person to be able to sometimes even put your goals aside in order to prop up um, someone else's goals. So yeah, uh, kudos to your wife. Yeah, she's held me. She's held me down, especially through you know this recent tragedy and stuff like that. She's definitely held it down. So shout out to her. Already. Um. Can you can you give um give us some give out a few shout outs and tell people how they can get in contact with you and uh for anything just where to find you on social media put any projects you're doing or that you have coming up that you want to promote. All right. Well, mostly I'm on Twitter because that's like where the best hip hop community is. That's where the real supporters is at, and you know just. It's everything. Everything that I need is on Twitter. So Twitter at, at D-A underscore C-L-E-A-V-E-R at the Cleaver. 
uh, also on Instagram, same at, at DA underscore C-L-E-A-V-E-R 631. Uh, also on Bandcamp, you can search for The Butcher. That's how I have it. I have to, still have to fix that up on the on, on the Bandcamp, the name. Uh, I have a few physicals still left on there. All my music is on there, the, and especially the stuff that I couldn't put on streaming. Uh, as far as upcoming projects, I got... I got the uh, collab with DJ Super Dave. He's from Brentwood. He's also gotten around in the industry, and uh, uh, he remixed the uh, "Used to It" for me. And then, you know, from there on, he sent me some beats. This is it right here, the Super Cleaver. Uh, that's a four-song EP. And then, right. I have, and then I also have another EP coming out. Uh, it's called "Jewels Infinite" with Skip the Kid. I'm working on that right now. So those are two EPs that are going to be coming out. And then I also have the Remedy Project uh, coming out with Space Case and Restless. And then, you know, the Jay Furman collab, hopefully looking to the summer for that drop. So, you know, two EPs, a uh, collaborative album and uh, a solo album coming this year. And shout out to Skip the Kid. He's yeah. doing the damn thing. Yeah. Shout out to Skip the Kid. I, I mean, go ahead. His collab game is on point this year, this past year, and he looks like he's setting up for a, a damn good twenty twenty two too. Oh yeah, I, big shout, big shout to him, man, and I love it because I've seen like his evolution. You know, like yeah. from him like starting reaching out to people, like he he he's doing his thing, man. He's evolving as a producer. And just you know, he, he's a solid dude. So I'm I'm grateful to be collabing with him too, and hopefully we work some magic and you know get it out there for the ears. Yeah, he's another one. Whenever I see something that says "Skip the Kid," I'm on it because uh -huh. his production is is stupid good. Yeah, he's got his rare and unique production, and you know that it's him. You know. So are there new, any new artists in Long Island that we should be up on game with? Or uh, any new artists that you're you're listening to right now that that maybe we haven't heard yet and need to get a little extra shine? I mean, everybody that I probably listen to, everybody listens to already, you know, like Rome Streets had a monster year this past year, you know. Yeah. Uh, I listen to some Crime Apple. I listen to Pounds. Um, what else? That's pretty much it. And I go with the old school. Right now, I'm like, I, I like I said, I study the era that I missed, you know. So mm -hmm. like the 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 DOC's album is like, you know, something that I bump heavy. Like, you know, I started getting into the Booyah Tribe and just like, you know, I'm all over the place. I, I'm mostly going back. And even like listening to seventies, eighties records, like, like that's 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 where I'm at right now. But as far as the newer cast, that's what I'm listening to. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and obviously, and obviously the people on Twitter, you know. Yeah, I think I'm deep diving into today. You know, I I grew up with the seventies and the eighties and the nineties, and you know, I was there. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm trying to keep up with. Uh, with you guys. I want to know what you're doing. I want to know uh, what we're leaving, who we're leaving it to. Is is it going to be in good hands? And so far, I think we're leaving it in excellent hands. And the yes. fact that I look at you guys 
and I see how much reverence that you have for hip hop in general and hip hop of the past. And you're not afraid to give the legends their flowers. It always does my heart good. I am so appreciative of who you guys are, especially you. I'm so appreciative of who you are as an artist. I am so appreciative of the music and the thoughtfulness that you put into your music and that you take the time to make sure it's not just music, that it's good music and it's done right. That is an art. It is a skill and you have it tenfold. So I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you too for everything that you're doing. Thank you, man, for real. Because I was going to say that, you know, <clears throat> I can I can probably put out a project every month if I wanted to also put out like how artists are, are doing nowadays and talk about selling drugs and, and, and hurting people nonstop. You know, that that's that's easy, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so search more within yourself and what you can give to somebody else and inspire somebody. And, you know, like like Pac said, you know, spark the mind, you know. You're future. very thoughtful in your in your music, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the way you push your pen. Thank you. Um, that is a skill. It is not just something that happens. It's something that you work on, and I've seen you evolve, and you just keep getting better and better, and um, the new EP that you're talking about, is that going to be on your Bandcamp too for sale? Uh, yeah. Yes, this is called the Super Cleaver. I'm just waiting on a collaboration and that should be out hopefully by the next month. Okay, but until Super Cleaver come out, I want y'all to go and get Underground Crown because them shit's inspired. Definitely. And- and not to cut you off, but again, it goes back to the era we're in. Sometimes I do sit here and think, I'm like, yo, I, I need to put something else out. You know, I start itching. I'm like, yo, I might as well do something now because I feel like, you know, you're forgotten like in a split second sometimes in this new era. You know, there people are so used to new projects every other week, every other month or whatever the case is. It's just an overload of music. So just to stay in the mix, you know, you feel like that. But then I, I center myself and I'm like, yo. This thing only dropped about six months ago, uh, and people need to consume it. You know, it's not no all right. Mm-hmm. Quick, you know, there's been people that give me feedback like in ten minutes of them hearing the album, and I'm like, all right, you know. Yeah, there's nothing throwaway about this album. This album deserves mm-hmm. proper listening, and mm-hmm. I've listened to it multiple times. Uh, and every time I listen to it, I catch something that I missed. So. It's not something that you just, uh, it's not a snack. It's a smorgasbord, and you should take the time to enjoy it. Yep, yep. And so I'm going to keep pushing it for now. And even when I put out the new stuff, I'm always pushing, you know, because in July, it'll be one year of of it coming out, you know. And I was like six months that it's been out, six, seven months. Mm -hmm. I'm just glad that it, that it was received the way it was, and you know that that you know that inspired me and kept me pushing. You know, now that got me through that that dark stage, and now you know I'm ready to to bloom into something else. You know, we're gonna see what happens. And keep and keep taking your time because it is it it's 
sometimes it gets overwhelming trying to keep up with everybody to keep up with everybody's music and yep. <laughs> it is so many dope uh, so many dope artists and they're putting out quality projects that they're just stomping over in three months because yep. you don't have a chance to sit with it. I'm old school. I'm, I'm going to sit with an album. Yep. I'm going to sit and I'm going to consume it. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to make sure that I got the point. You know, I want to make sure that um, the artist's intention is not lost on me. Definitely. And so this is why I'm so appreciative of the music that you make and they and the way that you're putting it out. Um I appreciate you for coming on the show. It's having me. You can come back anytime you want. Whenever you want to drop something, you just let me know. We'll make we'll make a date. Thank you. So you can uh because you're an artist that needs to be heard. And your intentions are your intentions are there. So anytime you're ready, you just let us know and we're here. We support you. Thank you. Um Nev, do you have anything else? All yeah. right. No, all I wanted to say is listen, thank you to Cleaver for coming on. Uh, you've made a powerful impact on us clearly and on the listener. And I just want to say to the public go out there and make a powerful impact in your community and the world. That definitely, Boom. definitely, man. I appreciate you enough. Yeah, man. Strong. Out All right, y'all. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go to the Cleavers, oh, the, the Cleaver, the Butcher. Whichever one his band camp is on, you take your ass over there and you go and buy his music because it's well worth it. It's well worth it. If if you can pay, if you can pay 99 cents, two dollars and seventy-five cents for a bag of chips, you can go buy a few songs from the Cleaver and support his work and support the artist because studio time costs money. Yeah, thankfully I was grateful to uh, I was able to do something like that and you know, it just goes all into it. I did a pre-order for the Underground Crown, and that was able to help me pay for the physicals and just keep it going, you know. So I'm very grateful yeah. for everybody that supported. All right, then. So this is Powerful Impact, and we are out. Much love. Boom. Peace.